Yo, what up? It's DK. Thank you so much for listening to the Mixing Music Podcast. I just want to do a quick plug about Antares and Autotune. Antares makes the original industry standard autotune that we all know and love the sound of. We are sponsored by them, so if you visit mixingmusicpodcast.com backslash autotune, we do get a small kickback from every purchase. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Please enjoy this episode. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. to the Mixing Music Podcast. I'm your host, DK, and with me, as always, is Luscious Lou. And the reason why we're using mm. that nickname is because that was what's literally, that was what was literally on your name tag at NAMP. Yeah, and uh, it actually had a lot of uh, uh, response from the older ladies at NAMM, which was uh, very interesting and cool at the same time. One of my favorite things to remind Anna of every day uh, that I came back from NAMM. She's like, how is Nam? I'm like, there was more older ladies that kept uh, saying my name very uh, affectionately. There, there you go. Luscious <laughs> Lou. Mm. Just give yourself a, a, a fun name next time you go to a convention. See what happens. So Nam. Daddy D. <laughs> uh, Nam, N-A-M-M, hosted their annual Nam show. Usually it's winter Nam, but it got pushed back to kind of summer. And they're going to reset it back to... Uh, and this year it was spring, Nam, but like yeah. next year they're going to start to reset it back to the original schedule every year in Anaheim around January. This year it was also a short Nam. Yeah, very short and small Nam. Um, but anyway, uh, Nam is a great show. I've I've been Googling like since we started this podcast. Oh, there it is. Nam stands for National Association of, of Music, Music Merchants. Merchants. So it's basically a huge convention where every single company once a year announces their new products for the year. Mm-hmm. And it's it used to be mostly for these uh, these retailers. It's it was kind of like a B two B conference, yeah. like these providers and retailers and these hosts, not hosts, but the uh, what am I thinking of? What word am I platforms? Thinking? These platforms, these retailers would go and check out these these companies to yeah. see what they wanted to start selling in their catalog for that year. Anyway, uh, NAM is a great place. It's kind of now turned into anybody can go. It's just a big music convention where everybody can check out um, mm. the new gear for the year. But we went this year, and, and the cool thing about our story together is that the mm-hmm. January 2020 NAM, right before, it was like a few months before the national lockdown happened, um, we met. Yep. I still have the name tag from that one. You do? Yeah. It's I, in my room. I don't know where mine is. Anyway. How dare you? So uh, that's that's that actually was our anniversary, really and so we wanted to do an episode of, of a recap of our experience at Nam. Well, this year we were actually invited. Nam reached out to us and said, "Y'all are influencers within the audio space. Here are some free passes," and they they gave us free passes to go and check out Nam and to talk about it. Yeah. So we're going to talk about it, and guess what? 
there's a lot of gear out there that I thought was really, really interesting, really cool. Some things that I might get in the near future, even things that we were talking about before this episode recording. Um, and we're going to talk about some things that were fun, some things that were not fun, and some things that we're hopeful about, and uh, events, and et cetera. Some people that we met and we had a good time as well. Um, Nam, let's just get right into it, dude. It's all about gear. Anything? No, it's all about the ear. <laughs> just show up to Nam with that notion. <laughs> the, the, yeah. It's like, I don't Was know why it? you guys brought all this gear. I just wanted to come for all the ears. <laughs> <laughs> Start walking up to people. That's a nice ear, right? You got there. There you go. There you go. Uh, what is uh? Was there any boots or anything that impressed you this year? Um, you know, I'll say this. I I purposely went in like because I've been to Nam eight years, and not a lot of companies like um give like yearly updates. Like it's always software that has like a yearly update, but like hardware doesn't always update every year. So like Dangerous Music, who I'm always interested in, because I think they make like quality stuff, but um like there wasn't anything like new and exciting there. But what I did see is that like a lot of companies were coming out that were kind of like underdogs, if you will. Like their brand name isn't as strong, but they make some really cool gear, like useful arts. They make this uh, this preamp. They either make it in a single channel desktop style preamp or a dual channel rack mount. But when you drive it, it sounds so good. It's literally just three knobs and it sounds so damn good. And Useful Arts, like those that know about Useful Arts know that it's a good brand. But when you look at the branding, and this is no, no stab at Useful Arts or anything, but you could tell that like... They didn't really super modernize it or anything like the, yeah, the aesthetic of it. The aesthetic is a little bit on the um, on the sunset. It looks sound. like radial products. Yeah, it almost looks like a radial product. That, but once again, I'm not trying to be mean about it. I'm just trying to say, like, honestly speaking, when you look at it, it doesn't look like what it sounds, and that's what's kind of exciting about it. Like, if you look at their preamp, it's actually impressively good. It's really good. And to hear it on the show floor, me and Narg were just like staring at each other like, I need one of these. Like, Is it I have the $300 to have it. one here? Nope. The Hornet? No, it's going to be like $1,300. It's this one. That's the single channel one. The useful, the SFP32 microphone preamp. Yeah. And dude, I kid you not, I haven't wanted a preamp in a long time. And that, that I want. It was that good. It was that good. I, and you know me. I have API. I have uh, the 1073s. I have like the audience and the true systems. And between those four, I'm typically good. And everything else is just kind of like another color, right? And that's the way we look at preamps after a while. That's why like it's kind of hard to get that excited at NAM every year because like you're looking for this one unicorn. And you don't know which booth has the unicorn. And this one, preamp-wise, was the unicorn for me this year. That's cool. Yeah. Um. As a mixer, I don't really look at <laughs> look at preamps. Dude, you can use it on the two bus. Yeah, they, line that, level that's input, what I was and you can too. use the color. There was a a new one by um, like I think it was like Whitestone. Whitestone Audio made the yeah the P thirty three tube loading amplifier. Ooh. Um, that's the one that Jesse was showing off on his story. He's like, I'm out of the I'm out of the box again. Um, it's this one here. It's basically, it's a tube loading amplifier. All it is is basically like an input knob so you can drive the tubes and mm-hmm. it's always volume matched. And it's always volume matched. It's always volume matched. And in fact, it, it might get a little bit quieter the more you drive it. 
Because of the natural amount of compression that's happening yeah, and distortion. Yeah, so it's really cool. Yeah. And they have like the regular version, which is a white faceplate, and then they have the evil version, the EVL version, which is mm-hmm. bl- has the black faceplate, which yeah, is yeah. the one that Jesse looks like it took him home. I took a listen to that. Uh, I'm not going to lie. The EVL, it, when I saw it, all I read was evil, and I was like, that's, that's cool. That's what it is. That's what it stands for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, good, because I like it. It's because uh, it's typically made for mastering engineers, but mixers and producers wanted one where it's like a lot more obvious. Yeah. So they just have the evil version, which is like a lot less subtle. Anyway, yeah. um. The cool thing about that, well, and the sad thing about it is it was like a cool looking piece of gear, but the problem is, is that they use these horrible, horrible bare dynamic headphones. It was just like so (laughs) harsh. I don't know what they were, but it was just like these horrible headphones. I could not even hear what it was doing. It was like, it was just making my ears bleed. So that's unfortunate. Um, You know what I was really into this year was really interesting was the Antelope Audio. Oh, yeah. Antelope Audio uh, announced their Gen 4 of the Orion 32 Plus mm-hmm. and their new monitor controller. And the new one... Wait, and with, like new replacing the Satori monitor controller yeah, or internal so to the Antelope? Both. So really? they have the Satori, now the next generation of that. And it looks slightly... The controller looks slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, and on top of that, they have... The yeah, where you plug in the interface and then you plug in this monitor controller that controls the Orion and you plug that in via USB into your computer as well. So you don't need an external Satori if you have an Orion that that is your Satori basically. So the controller can actually control the interface all the same. Yeah. So isn't that? Mm. I mean, it makes sense. I like it. And not only that, Antelope Audio released a pair of monitors. What? You didn't see that? No, I did not. And you, I don't, I got to look into there was, it. There was other things I was paying attention to. Like the studio side, like I'll be honest, I feel a little bit spoiled with the Strauss because it's hard for me to find a monitor that I want more than the Strauss uh, outside of like the going back to the 45s. Um, ATCs. Yeah. But for anyway, anyone that is interested. Yeah. It, it was, it was super cool. Um, like I'm, I, I'm looking it up I right now. I checked out the Amphions too. We, oh, we the new Amphions. We definitely got to talk about that. The new Amphion three-way. Yeah. Um, okay, so hear hear me out on this. The I'm trying to look for the website that explains it, but Antelope Audio introduced a new three-way, the Atlas I8. It's a new three-way monitor mm-hmm. um, with the coaxial mid-range right on top of the mid the tweeter. You should look this up. The Antelope atlas i8 there's something really cool about it. i'm trying to figure out i've never seen this before i've I've never seen it in any other speaker before but in there's the the woofer right mm-hmm. the main eight inch woofer yeah and they said that they can get the same amount of low end as a 12 inch woofer but what they did instead is they made it an eight inch woofer and right behind in the enclosure there's another eight inch woofer and something about it where they work together, mm-hmm. and they're both like, I don't know what it is. Maybe the second one is high incursion, but there's another woofer in the enclosure, so you don't see it. Yeah. And something about them pushing together, or like it's also making low end or something like that. I mm-hmm. don't know what it is, but something about having two woofers, I've never seen that done anywhere else. It's in the enclosure. Yeah. I'm trying to find a picture of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can see it. Like, there's a, that, that's not a very good picture there, but I'm trying to find a video of it. But in the enclosure is like another. There it is. Did you oh, see yeah, that? There's yeah. another woofer in in the enclosure. Super cool. Um, it was really tight. Uh, the low mid end, the mo- the low mid range would not impress you, but the transients were impressive. It was very mm-hmm. very impressive. Um, impressive enough where it's like, oh, that would. And I think they're trying. It's not even out yet. They said that we don't even have a price for it. It's so brand new. But yeah. they're gonna try to keep it around the forty five to five thousand dollars for the pair. Nice kind of uh, price point. 
which for what it was offering, I thought that was fantastic. And it's, they said that it's going to be rated down to go down to like 37 hertz for for like an 8-inch three-way monitor, which is also quite impressive. And it was impressive. The low end was yeah. really punchy when I heard it. The only thing that scares me with uh, speakers that promote low end is usually I find an issue in their mid-range. Yeah, I didn't yeah. hear the low mids, but it was also just a really open... And that's why I can't really test like speakers on a convention floor, which, you know, is is sad because like you know there's so much going on you're in an open field it's not like a controlled space and it's also not your own space you know like speakers always sound different from one room to the next like me and dk have the same nf3s from uh strauss um but in our rooms they sound very different you know um uh, my room being like a very very dead room dk's being a little more open and lively um also being a bigger space than my room so oh my room wait wait you're talking about this room yeah your room is bigger than my room Oh no! I was thinking about it. it's not open though. It's well, I guess well, more than yours. You have like every square inch dead. Uh, basically, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I just went for dead in that room, knowing that knowing that it's not my permanent space. I didn't want to invest way too much into like acoustic treatment. It's safer for sure. Yeah, like I can always take apart those panels and reuse them to build more. But um, when I had less. Uh, because it was a smaller room, it was a lot more reflective. Um, when I had smaller panels, like it did the job, but it didn't do it too well to where like I was really satisfied with the space. But you know, with that said, the way it sounded before and after with the Strauss, it was very notable even in that. Oh, here it is! Here it is! Here it is! Okay, here's the, here's I found it on uh, Gearspace. Ooh. We have placed two identical 8-inch woofers, which are sealed in isobaric configuration, one behind another, delivering a powerful, clean, low-frequency response. Thanks to the isobaric design, we have drastically reduced the cabinet size and air volume without sacrificing performance, even when the monitor is pushed to the limits. Nice. That's interesting. And there's like, yeah. It's super interesting. Also, I uh, I want to see more monitors use um, SonarWorks compatibility, like DSP yeah, compatibility. Yeah, yeah. I went to the Atom booth and asked them about that, and they're like, "I didn't do that." Yeah, they had a booth. Yeah, I didn't see it. Or I don't know if they had a booth, but they were I did. There. I did see monitors, and I asked about them. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it was one of those like you know how ATC doesn't have a booth, but it's their distributor that has a booth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was. I don't know if it was that or specifically Adam, but um, I just asked. I was like, "So when did you guys kind of like come up with this idea?" They're like, "Oh, well, it's not that hard to put a DSP chip. I mean, most monitors nowadays have some form of DSP in them. When you're getting into more of the modern ones like PMC, it wouldn't be hard for them to just add a DSP chip in it." And it's like, "That's true. It's just more work. More can go wrong, you know." And the, they just kind of explained it like that. They're like, we just wanted to try it and we did it. We liked it. So we produced it. Cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, outside of that, um, I was impressed with Tascam this year. And that's going to be a funny one coming from me. Um, I'm not a huge Tascam guy. Um, I'm not big on their products. Not necessarily that they're a bad brand or anything. I'm just like, never really caught my eye that well. Fun in fact. My first interface ever was a task cab. <gasps> the US 200 back in like 2008, 2009. But um, that was on my like Sony Vio laptop with two gigs of RAM and like a hundred megabyte like hard drive. Like, Dude, my first one really was the, fire, the Firebox. The from, Firebox? From, from, from yeah. Sonus. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't even mine. It was my, my best friend's. Yeah, just let you borrow it kind of no, thing. No, no, we were in the same band and we would do all the recording at his house. Oh, gotcha. Their family yeah. bought like an iMac. Oh, for gotcha. the garage band of it. No, that was afterward. First, we were using Cubase on like a. On oh, because Windows. it came free with PreSonus? Yeah. Yeah. 
No, and it was funny because like um, when I got to the task camp booth, I think we were walking next to each other at some point. And you guys left me behind, jerks. But yeah, yeah. no, it was funny because I started nerding out with the guy. I was like, wait, because you were talking wait. about you were talking about live a, a console. console for for monitors, and I was like, no, for for front of house for mainly of house. for me. But the the funny thing is that I found a console that I actively want. Like for once, like I've used a ton of live sound consoles. Like I have to use an SD12 uh, at this coming uh, concert, the Out Loud. No, what is it? Is it the Out Loud Festival? It's uh, it's basically like Pride Fest. But uh, James Barr is going to be performing and I'm going to be doing front of house at the festival. Um, but it was kind of funny because like, I'm like, wait, it's 32 inputs. Yeah. And you have an onboard recorder that can record directly to the to the SD card, yeah. And you can recall that same recording and do sound check with it and everything. They're like, yeah. So if I take this to a rehearsal space, uh, let's say that we recorded everything on the analog inputs and everything, and I had to go to a venue and actually say, cool, I need to sound check it here, but the band's not there yet. I can play back these tracks there. They're like, yeah. And then onto those same tracks that I played it back, I can make sure that they, um, I can switch the inputs so that... Um, now that I'm at the venue and they have a Dante snake, I just connect one Cat5 cable, map my inputs, and now everything's in the same spot and everything. I just had to match my levels. They're like, yeah. I was like, this is all the things that we normally have to use multiple pieces of gear to do all in one console. Yeah. Yeah. It does up to 64 channels into a single console. Um, and because it's Dante enabled, you can actually use Dante recording devices. Like, it, let's say you have a Dante license on your laptop. Technically, you could just connect the Ethernet cable to your laptop and do up to 128 channels of recording onto your laptop at the same time that you're splitting the same audio with Monitor World at the same time that you're splitting it with Front of House and not affect one or the other. There you go. It's amazing. Anyway, um, there's a lot of cool gear. And they also, Tascam was selling like tape decks. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. <laughs> I was like, that's crazy. Anyway, uh, a mix with the Masters was there. They had they haven't yeah. had a booth at NAM or AES for the last three years because of the the Pando. Yeah, Pando. And, uh, the pandemic. And uh they were there. Um, lots of great speakers. Uh I saw Tony Maserati. We were talking about this uh, off off the air, but we we're talking about like buying gear mm -hmm. and then sending it off to an assistant to bounce stuff or to to do stems or something, and they yep. don't have the gear. What he has, he has an unfair child, mm -hmm. and he says that he hands it off to an assistant who has the UAD version, so he just replaces the the hardware for the UAD version, so he knows that when he gets it back to bounce it, he's going to turn off the UAD version and just do it through the real real gear or something like that. Yeah. That was interesting. Also, um, uh, Chad Blake, Jason Joshua, Mixed by Ali, um, all the greats, Tizio, Baines, they did not do Mix with the Masters, but they were there at the Engine Ears booth. Mm -hmm. um, uh, we talk about them a lot because they're like, uh, dude, Tizio's killing it right now. He really is. I'm uh, proud of him. The next Coil Array stuff is all him. Yeah. Dude, he's like he's hitting his stride. Like he's I don't I don't want to like um knock on wood here, but like he is he within the last 2 years went from being like Chris Brown's engineer, which is cool for being known as like one person's engineer, yeah, to being like Jack Harlow, Coil Ray, Chris um, Brown, Lil Nas X. Yeah. Like in in 2 years like his career has blossomed oh and yeah it's so crazy because i feel like he just has so much more to go to he and he I, will I think he knowing is, him he will yeah i think he is he is absolutely just hitting his stride right now and uh it was good to see him again um what else did we see uh, avid was there yep 
Uh, Amphion, like I said, those three-way Amphion. monitors that they came out with, low mi- uh, low and low mid uh, transient design on that was really nice design uh, response. Few new microphone companies. Uh, yeah. But let's talk about, there's a lot of cool gear, and I'm sure that we'll talk about more during this episode, but I want to talk about the importance of things like NAM and AES. Oh, yeah. Um, if you are looking to v- develop your career and want an easy place to network, oh yeah, start going to these events. Start going to these events. Um, it's great if you can afford going to LA for NAM, going to New York for AES, going to Nashville. I wonder if they're going to start doing a Nashville NAM. They did. Yeah, I, did they since the pandemic? Before. No, no, I'm saying ever since the pandemic. I did. Oh, stop? ever since. Oh, I don't um, think they've done one since the pandemic started. I don't know. I'd never looked into it. I'll be honest. I don't honest. think they have. Uh, I don't know. Because I want to go to Nashville, make an excuse to go check out the Nashville. But the reason why this is important, I mean, Lou and I met there. And I think that's enough of a reason to why why you go out. It's great for networking. Yeah. Um, it's a great place to meet some of... And it's cool because... Uh, it, it, Stevie Wonder goes every single year. Like, you yeah, know, you know how many times I see people like, "Oh my God, I saw Stevie Wonder in the wild." We saw DJ Jazzy Jeff as yeah. well. Like, there's these things that happen all the time, um, and these people show up because of, like, it, because it's a place where it's like people aren't fans there. I mean, there are fans there, but like they're not going to get overcrowded. Exactly. So it's like a little bit more accessible. It's a little bit more private. Um, because it's for the industry. Yeah. And almost everybody you meet there is somebody. So, uh, a good example is like my friend Skimmy, who's, uh, he's currently, uh, doing some work with like some pretty big artists. I don't, I don't want to say him cause I don't want to jinx any situations, but, um, you know, Skimmy is also working with another company where they're actually doing like a lot of sound design and music for different opportunities. And they had their own booth there. And the funny thing is most people, if they just met Skimmy real quick, they wouldn't know who he is. Is what he does, but unless he says something, well, at NAM, that's kind of the situation for everybody. You know, if nobody, uh, a good example is this: most people recognize like DK, but not everybody knew who I was, and that's kind of cool because that kind of left me to just kind of enjoy the convention, and that's kind of the cool thing. Like a lot of people at NAM just kind of want to go meet, do the work that they're there, maybe hired to do or not, you know, but they just kind of want to enjoy themselves. So being surrounded by other professionals in the industry, there's kind of this all uh, included notion with everybody where it's like, Hey, don't fan out when you see people like you want to work with these people, you want to be seen as professional. So they actually kind of enjoy their experience more at these kind of things than like, you know, a concert where everybody's like screaming and trying to tackle them. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's a really great place to meet people, honestly, and uh, kind of be seen as equals. And it's great to 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 get some knowledge. Dave Pensato always has a booth. Sorry, I have my son with me, but there's always a booth where, like, even this last time. Oh my gosh! Live no. from the studio, Kyo, you want to say something? What did you think about Daddy being gone at Nam? I sad. agree. I agree. <laughs> you were sad. Oh, you want a hug? Anyway. Anyway, sorry, sorry, but um, uh, it's it's a really great place to meet people and to honestly find a mentor as well. Talk oh, yeah. to people, talk to people that you look up to, that you love their records of. Yeah, um, it's a great place. And you know what? This is once once. There's only like two or three times a year that engineers can feel like superstars, and and they love yeah. 
you know, everybody has a little bit of an ego. So they love answering questions, man. They oh, love, yeah. They love meeting their fans. I thought something that was cool was the Pensado's place. Uh, what is it? Mentor. Mentor Madness. Mentor Madness, where basically everybody that went to the thing had to get into a line uh, with whoever they wanted to talk to. There was everybody from um, Battle Cat, which was kind of cool to see. Like, I'm not going to lie. It's kind of cool to see your clients on the stage and like your friends on the stage. And th- those friends being like Jesse uh, Baines, uh, TZO, you know, yeah. like. A&R. It's, A&R of Harmon was there as well. Oh, yeah. Seth Baines and Tizia. Yeah. Jesse was there. Yeah. Uh, Howie Weinberg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is, Dave Pensado himself Dave stayed is, on it. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, and it was kind of cool to just kind of see, like, you know, everybody that went and attended could get into any line, and you, once it came to your turn, you had three minutes to ask any question you want. They would answer it for those three minutes, and then you moved on. You know, and that gave everybody almost uh, an equal and open opportunity to get some questions across. Like, if you didn't wait in the longest line, you could get a ton of questions through. If you wait in the longest line, you maybe got a few questions. Who's that? Who's that? Um, who's that big drummer? The big punk drummer that's really popular right now. Uh, Travis Barker. Yeah, Travis Barker's engineer was there as well. Yeah. Um, there was the engineer for a bunch of people. Which I'm not gonna lie, I I almost wanted to look at my phone while we were there. I'm like, is his engineer the guitarist for? Uh, escape the fate but i was like i could be wrong i could be wrong but like they they at least in person they bore a striking resemblance i was like i know this guy actually knows how to engineer i know he knows what he's doing he's a he's a really dope producer as well so i was like maybe it is the same guy yeah yeah so um that's kind of it for the nam recap it was it was a wonderful, wonderful. It was a little smaller this year. Autotune wasn't there. Isotope yeah. wasn't there. Golf Falls. Wasn't I'm sad. Autotune wasn't there. Yeah, and uh, I talked to Henrik, who said that they will be there for the January one when they reset back to Winter Nam. Apparently, this next one is going to be the biggest one they do in a while. Good. Hopefully, the biggest one. And uh, there's a lot of people there. And again, one more time, we encourage anybody: if you live in New York, then go to AES at the very least. If you live in, if you live in LA or near LA or willing to drive to LA, come to the Nam. Same thing with Nashville, um, or fly out. It's it's really worth it. Yeah, it's really worth it. I mean, we, you get to see if you're a fan of Chris Lord Algae or even Andrew Sheps, like they're just casually oh. walking around. Andrew Sheps always has a beer at like 10 a.m. in the morning at a.m., 11 a.m. And you can just walk up to him and ask him questions. I didn't tell you, but I actually rode the escalator with CLA. And like part of me went back to reverted to my lesson that I teach everybody, which is like, don't bother people. And I literally was like our exact distance right now away from him and i was like you know i could say hi and just introduce myself but he looks like he's in a rush i'm like i'm just gonna leave him alone versus having him feel like he's like gonna have to like excuse himself yeah yeah but i mean if you are gonna bother someone it would be better to bother them at nam than in, in the middle of a session <laughs> while an, an escalator ride <laughs> yeah, yeah so uh <laughs> I think it's it's just a really great place to to and then if you I remember the first time I went uh January 2020 I didn't know anybody. Really? I did not know you were like I uh-huh. came to know you uh-huh. and met maybe like one or two friends. Yeah. I mean this year and the year before even and I'm even more so next year it's like dude I cannot get to anywhere I want to go because people keep stopping me. So remember when we were trying to grab coffee and I was like fuck I keep running into people in one little corner I ran into like four people I'm like guys I'm really sorry I'm not trying to cut this short but I really got to get some coffee. And the and the reason why yeah yeah <laughs> and the reason I was there yeah and, yeah and the reason why um I bring this up is not to flex, but rather this is what happens over time. You start to meet more and more people yeah. and over time you just get to see them again and again and again. And your circle of influence grows, your sphere of influence grows, your sphere of influence grows. Um, and so does your network and um, your, 
this is only partially true. I won't go into a rant about it, but your network is your net worth, man. And, it, uh, it really is, actually. Like, funny enough, like, for instance, whenever you, let's say, let's say you go to NAM and you have a very influential friend. We won't use names because we don't want to say anybody in specific, but let's just say you have friends that have a little more influence and you're caught in the wild hanging out with them, just having a casual conversation. People just assume that that's kind of your role in in this society of engineers like wow he's even friends with so and so that's your network but it may not be your actual net worth but funny enough you know uh perception in the wild is uh is a powerful thing yeah yeah um funny enough like um one of the things that I thought was cool about Nam is sometimes meeting people you've never met before that you've known for a while for instance um uh, my friend Dom, who we do a lot of work together. I've done like a lot of mixing and mastering from like a lot, um, but we've never actually met each other in person. And, um, you know, originally when I got word of him is through word of mouth. And then we did some work on sound better and all that kind of stuff. But when we were at the Pensado seminar, um, like he just kind of turned around, looked at me. He's like, Lou, I was like, yo, cause I looked at his tag. I'm like, Dom produced by Dom. I'm like, wait a minute. And, like, that was the first time in years. Like, we've known each other for years, and we met for the first time in person just at a random. We didn't know that both of us were going to go. But, once again, if you're from New York, fly out to L.A., fly out to Nashville, like, go to these events. You don't know who you're going to run into. You might have been trying to connect with somebody in person because they might fly into town, uh, into your town once in a while, but they might be going to NAM too. That might be a great opportunity to just get some five-minute face-to-face time with somebody. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's kind of it for uh, this episode, just the value of networking, getting out to these conferences. Yeah. Um, these these products, man, these companies are coming out with cool products. At the same time, um, um, as much as these, I think there's like so many cool, useful products. And then there's yep. a lot of just like, cool, this would be nice to have products. But um, I mean, I'm always a big fan of, especially if you're trying to go full time, just remember that if it doesn't speed up your workflow or make make work faster, then... Um, wait till you start earning a lot more money to buy it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you're if you're not making a lot of money, don't buy things that'll like a lot of analog gear will just slow down your and make less dollars per hour, and yep. that, that just makes it a little bit more tough. Don't spend money. Don't lose money to make less money. So, um, anyway, uh, other than that, uh, there's a lot of really cool pieces out there. There's a lot of innovation going on. I'm I was actually again especially excited with Antelope. Oh yeah, they did. Uh, they they got me stoked this year. I thought it was such a cool thing. It's it's just like a cool thing, and 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 I know that they've had some bad PR in the United States in the past. And uh, anyway, just a lot of cool, a lot of cool companies here. Um, and then there's like uh, companies that don't do anything new. Um, uh, like uh, Avid. No, I'm just kidding. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I <laughs> iLock. No, iLock. There you go. No, they come out with a new USB. Yeah. Poor. Uh, yeah. And then I was like, can I buy an unlock that? Like, we're not allowed to sell it at this booth. And I'm like, BS, come on, just give me one. Yeah. They didn't give it to me. They didn't give me any. It's all right. Wait, they didn't give you a colorful one? Nah. Did you get one? <sighs> uh, not this year. Last year, I got a pink one. I was going for purple this year, and I couldn't find anybody with a purple one. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Like, usually you got to ask a representative, and if you find them away from the booth, they're usually a lot more like, yeah, here you go. Oh, really? Yeah. If you go straight up to the booth and be like, can I have a free analog? They're like, oh. I mean, we only have so many. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's the secret. Yeah. That's the secret. Anyway, um, thank you so much for listening. We wish you and and incur- oh wait before we end. Uh, this episode has been brought to you by the exclusive episodes of the Mixing Music Podcast. Go to mixingmusicpodcast.com forward slash exclusive for $4 a month or $40 a year. For the price of one cup of coffee or less, you can get three times the amount of episodes of me and Braden talking. Um, it's really great content. Uh, we recommend you check that out. One more time, that's mixingmusicpodcast.com slash exclusive. Um, and uh, on that note, happy mixing, my friends, and stay saucy! What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.